I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Ooh, yeah. Levity, levity, donks. It is time for Morning Combat. It's Wednesday, December 9th, 2020. And yes, this is your boy, the big beige bastard, BC, Brian Campbell, CBS Sports, coming at you. And no, that is not Luke Thomas right there, but that is a beloved member of the MK family stepping in today, your UFC Hall of Famer, former light heavyweight champion, always sweet, never sour. You know what I'm about to say. He is a tower (laughs) of ayahuasca power, sugar, Rashad Evans of CBS Sports and beyond, by the way. Great to see you back with us, Sugar Rashad. How are things, my man? Man, things are couldn't things couldn't be better, BC, man. I'm happy to be back, man. Happy to be with you and uh excited about this conversation today. I love it. Like myself, you will cash whatever check the networks are offering. Really? <laughs> I appreciate that. For you, uh shout out to the great Luke Thomas, normally uh not here today. Not really sure why or how though, Rashad. I'm gonna be honest with the people like I always am. Uh he wouldn't tell me. It's probably somewhere hmm. between colonoscopy and job interview. I don't know where he is today, but he he will be back on Friday. Uh, please continue to frequent the Morning Combat channel on YouTube. Like this video. Subscribe to this video. There is all kinds of bonus goodies from Luke and myself this week. We're talking about Morning Combat interviews with Kayla Harrison uh, Rafael Lovato, Shakur Stevenson, Brandon Moreno, and later today, some big, big names that you're not going to want to miss. Don't miss, of course, Luke's interview with uh, Dustin Poirier from last week. Very good stuff still on there. All right, a couple housekeeping notes here, Rashad. Uh, we, we want people to continue to tell the folks around the world, right? Spread this like a college STD, that Morning Combat is your home for all things boxing, MMA, and beyond. And also, folks... You want to try Showtime for 30 days? How about this price? Free 99, okay? Head on over, of course, to Showtime.com. There are plenty of reasons to try out this free trial. 30 days. How about the Comedy Store documentary? How about the Hector Macho Camacho doc? How about Showtime Boxing back this Saturday, by the way? Lots of reasons to check that out. 30 days. You don't like it. You know, you know where to go with that, okay? Pound, pound a few of them sand. I don't even know what that means, Rashad. Pound sand. What are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? What, right. are, we, what are we doing? <laughs> also, Rashad, uh, if you want to outfit your children, your abuela, in morning combat merch, I do tell you to go over to store.show.com. Very comfortable attire. And in, in, in not really pastel colors, but... Uh, I mean, I'm still waiting for my morning combat. I'm still I waiting mean, for my morning combat gear. I tell myself every week, this is the week I'm going to get it, but... Now you're not alone, Rashad. The rest of the world, meaning anyone not living in the lower 48, is also upset at our lack of international shipping. But hey, Showtime, can we please get a sweatshirt on this guy, Rashad? Thank you very much. Uh, that's all the house cleaning I have to do 
beforehand. It's time to get into our topics this week. It is Wednesday. It is a no J Wednesday, so shout out to that. We're going to have some fun segments today. But let's hit you up with some breaking news this morning, Wednesday morning here in the fight game. Very excited about this. Very shocked, to be honest, about this. Former two-time UFC light heavyweight title contender, challenger, Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's been rumoring, lingering, I mean, teasing this long-awaited return to the Octagon for about two years right now. Uh, he ain't coming back to the Octagon. As sources telling CBS Sports, Ariel Hawani of ESPN, the first to report it this morning, Anthony Rumble Johnson has agreed to terms with a contract with Bellator MMA. The contract is not signed. It is very close from what we hear. And Sugar Rashad Evans, I got to bring you right in. You're a longtime, uh, you know, friend, training partner of the great Rumble Johnson. This is big news to me because we've been waiting for him to come back to UFC for a while. He's 36 years old. Of course, we haven't seen him since that loss to Daniel Cormier in the rematch in 2017. Uh, how do you deal with this news? He's going to Bellator MMA. Yeah, it's pretty big news. You know, it's pretty big news for Bellator, you know, to bring in a big blue chip, app, big, uh, blue chip athlete like uh, Rumble who can still bring in a lot of viewers and, you know, still have a lot of tread left on his tires, you know, but it's also a good move for Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's looking to kind of be the franchise franchise guy in an organization. And I think he can definitely do that with Bellator. I mean, at 36 years of age and still trying to come back and see what form he's going to fight into, you know, he wasn't really feeling like the options at, at UFC were the best, you know, uh, with uh, UFC cutting so many people back, I'm sure something kind of got in the way with price negotiation in which he wanted to fight at and he felt like the best options were for him at Bellator and not for nothing you know speaking of Anthony he said that it allows him to you know to wear sponsorship and to you know uh push his brand his cannabis brand that he's been working on in in, in, in his off time so you know it kind of goes hand in hand with his after fight plan so that's something that you know typically Anthony wasn't thinking about, about before but now since he had this break away from the UFC it's allowed him to see other things that he needs to develop outside of just being a fighter yeah absolutely uh details obviously are sketchy at this point i think your sort of summation about what must be going on financially seems to be true it's a weird time right now for the ufc from the standpoint that you know they let anderson silva walk i mean even earlier yeah. this year they let Corey anderson walk to bellator they let yoel romero walk we're seeing you know a willingness right now to take guys who are aging but still have big names, can still make fun fights, and sort of say maybe it's not worth it in these financial times to keep them. I'll be interested to see the first interviews we get with either Rumble Johnson or Ali, manager of the Stars, or Dana White, to hear a little bit more. But uh, Rashad, straight up, all things considered, uh, he was going to be a viable contender for either the light heavyweight or heavyweight titles in UFC, even with his time spent away from the cage. Because historically, very few people punch as freaking hard as this absolute right. animal, regardless of weight. <laughs> Let's give Rumble Johnson the credit he deserves. He walked yeah. away in 2017 on his own terms. He announced the comeback in 2019. I'll admit, Rashad, it's been a little weird that he didn't enter the USADA testing pool until last September. So he's really taking his time in this regard. But all things considered, this is a big boom for, uh, for Bellator MMA, for Scott Coker, because... He's 36, but there's some. There's a lot of tread. I, I'm going to guess there's a lot of tread on Rumble Johnson's tires. Um, I've said you've known him. Uh, you've trained with him in the past. Uh, how good could he be for Bellator, both commercially and in terms of competing for titles inside the cage? 
He can be phenomenal for Bellator, and especially now that he's taken the time off. Because before, like you said, he didn't enter the, the, the testing pool for USADA. And part of the reason why is because he just really wasn't feeling like he really wanted to make the comeback. You know, he was kind of in and out. Yeah, I want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to do it. But he just was trying to find that love for the sport. You know, he's trying to love the sport again. And that's what made him leave the UFC, not having that love. So he wanted to make sure that love was back. And it just wasn't him missing the sport. So he's taking the time to really foster that love and to really start uh, diving into areas of training, which gave him troubles before. You know, now we see, you know, AJ doing grappling classes and things that he didn't like to do before. And now he's trying to become a better and more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Not favors in the side of um, uh, Bellator, who now you have a guy who's surgeon who wants to be a mixed martial artist. And now he's coming into... I think the strongest that we've ever seen Rumble and and in in a division or he can fight at 205 and at light and at heavyweight looking at his body right now so they have potentially a two divisional champion or somebody who can definitely bring some blockbuster fights to both of those weight classes I mean Anthony Rumble Johnson he's going to give you the highlights that you definitely need in a Bellator organization that needs those highlights. I mean, let's talk right away. He's an instant title contender. Ariel Hawani reporting that it's looking like an early 2021 debut for Rumble with Bellator targeting that 205-pound division. But Rashad, uh, that division's... It's gone over a really nice overhaul for Scott Coker and company. You got a rising stud in Vadim Nemkov, who's your current champion after uh, stopping Ryan Bader. When you've got names like Corey Anderson, Bader, Leota Machida, uh, current middleweight champion, Gegard Mousasi, who of course could move up, Phil Davis, Liam McGarry. I mean, there's no shortage of fun names, but between Nemkov atop the 205 division and Ryan Bader still atop that heavyweight division, Rashad, um, you know, I can't see the future. I don't know how good Rumble's, you know, takedown defense and, and, gr and added comfortability on the ground is. But if you're telling me, let's give him three years, will he wear either of those belts? Right now, I'm going to say probably. Probably, bro. Okay? I mean, yeah. straight up. Hey, and I, and I have to second that notion. I, I totally agree. I think he'd definitely wear some gold in a Bellator organization. You know, here's the thing about it. Here's something that a lot of people would never know just by watching Anthony's fights. You know, he's one of he's, he's a very good wrestler. Like in training, he's one of the best guys in the gym when it comes to wrestling, even with takedown defense. But sometimes he fights lazy. Sometimes he fights, you know, like like very. Um, uh, emotionally speaking, you know, if he if he's having a bad fight and it's not going his way, then sometimes you know he he, he just won't fight with his full capabilities. But he's been working on those things, and and I think that we're going to see a well-rounded Anthony and a well-rounded Anthony, one who is looking to compete. I think he beats everybody in in the heavyweight and the and the light heavyweight class. You know, I think I think when it comes down to it, this Anthony Johnson that I've been seeing. Um, he's, he's looking fierce. I mean, you, you, I've never seen Anthony Johnson this far out from any fight looking how he looks right now. It looks right now as if he can step in and fight at 205 and be ready, ready. You know, that's how well he's been taking care of his body on, on a physical level, but on the mental level is where I'm really seeing the biggest gains in Anthony Johnson. And, and that's something that before I could have, I could have said, you know, that was his weakest part, but now I'm starting to see that's becoming a very strong suit of Anthony Johnson's. All right, Rashad, let's stay right in that topic before we move on here, because it's interesting. And this is very, again, speculatory until we hear from everyone. But I was happy when Rumble left in 2017 because to what you said, it didn't seem like he really wanted to be there. I didn't love his performance against Cormier in the rematch. It seemed like he was okay with just losing and getting out. If he needed that break, that's great. 
But I got to ask you your opinion on this. Why would the UFC, and now, we, again, we don't know how much money was asked for. We don't know the whole financial story right now. But I'm very surprised that they would let him walk, knowing that it's one thing to let an aging name who may be, you know, let's, let's put Corey Anderson in there. He's a, he's a really good fighter. He may end up being your Bellator light heavyweight champion for all we know. But he's, he's, he's not going to move big numbers and big product commercially. We know that. When Dana White and company said goodbye, it was surprising, but you get it. I don't get this Rumble one because even though he's 36, even though he's a bunch of years removed, look, he said he wants to compete at heavyweight for part of this. Heavyweight's age late. And when you've got that kind of freaking power, I mean, you're going to be able to linger for as long as you want. I feel like this is, you know very instantly, not just a title contender as we mentioned for Bellator, but a guy who can really gain attention. A guy who, if he ends up winning a title, can be a ratings grabber. Let's try to speculate Dana White and company. Why would they allow this to happen? Well, I think the UFC, you know, they're finding, you know, so much success breeding talent with the Dana White Consender Series, and they have the Ultimate Fighter coming back. So they have such a great pool where they're getting these these fighters that can definitely fight and compete on the next level. Like these guys that are coming from the Dana White Contender Series, they're not, you know, taking a few fights to get started. They're jumping right into the firing pan and they're definitely cooking with some of these fighters who've been in the UFC for a long time. So they found a formula with some of these guys in Dana White Contender Series. So now you have guys who are coming in, they're fresher, they're younger, they're not as expensive, you know what I'm saying? And then now you can build these younger fighters with with the younger demographic and definitely build up a fan base. You know, they're not trying to squeeze the last few drops out of these stars of yesterday. You know, they they the UFC they're over with that. Now they're trying to get new young you new young rising stars, guys that are hot on their social media and guys who understand, you know, what it what it takes to compete at the next level. And that's why you get guys like um like like Kevin Holland, who fought you know three times or four times during this pandemic and has been looking phenomenal, and now he finds himself in a, in a fight with Jacare de Souza, you know, a huge fight for him. But it just kind of goes to show where the UFC's kind of leaning, kind of putting their energy towards. They want a developing stars. They want guys that don't have that big price range, but are just as hungry to fight as those old stars. Well, to your point, twenty twenty has really brought out an opportunistic opportunity opportunity to, to double down on that word there for anyone looking to make their name quickly. We've seen Kevin Holland, Billy Q, Kamza Chemaev. I mean, we've seen these guys who have, you know, weren't on our radar in 2019, suddenly winning four or five, even Davison Figueredo. Let's be really honest, heading into this Saturday, yeah. which we're going to talk about soon. Uh, you know, guys taking advantage that maybe they have a smaller price tag, but look, uh, Rumble's best run was his most recent one with the UFC six and two, all at light heavyweight. The only two defeats to Cormier in title fights. And of that six wins, five by knockout, including Glover Teixeira, Ryan Bader, Little Nog. I mean, like, you know, who Alexander Gustafson, a friggin' who's who of the division. So very shocking. Final question on this topic, Rashad, because you'd been, you trained with everyone, okay? You trained with a prime John Jones. You trained with a 2013 Mohawk TRT Vitor Belfort. Um, <laughs> Let, let's get layman for a second. What the hell does it feel like in sparring when Rumble hits one on you? What is what, what are we going? Where are we going with this? Well, I mean, that's if you're still awake. You know what I'm saying? There's been times where Rumble w was hitting me a couple of times, and he hit me with one good shot, and I looked at him. I said, "Listen, you hit me like that again, I will never train with you again." <laughs> then, but here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Like me and AJ have always been, you know, been cool with each other. That you know, we we we've always had that respect in training. You know what I'm saying? Like we net, like I've he's never like. Like went after me and tried to finish me 
in training, you know. So he always looked out for me. I'm sure there's times where he's seen he could have definitely uh, knocked me dizzy on purpose. But, you know, most of the time he knocked me dizzy. It was by accident. Luckily for me, because one thing with Anthony Johnson is you don't really see his combinations in, in, in his stuff coming. You don't see it coming. He has a kick that comes out of nowhere that'll knock your head off. So I'm just very lucky I, I didn't get knocked out too many times or, <laughs> by AJ. Rashad, I hope this question doesn't end our friendship, but does this news make you not want to come back? Because I know you're teetering. I know your team's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to keep it real, man. I'm going to keep it real. Like, look, I, it was looking good in the beginning. Like, yeah, you know, I'll try it out, but... I mean, you know, the, now now the 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 comeback is definitely looking further and further away, man. It's a lot of tough guys out there, and it's like, man, just it's not a walk in the park to come back, man. If you come, I mean, you better pack a lunch. You coming back? I tell you that. Indeed, indeed. All right, let's get into our second topic. This weekend's UFC 256. Let's look at the big storylines here. Final pay-per-view of the year for the promotion going to take place at the Apex facility in Las Vegas. It's a little, you know, copy and paste, so to speak, meaning, look, this isn't going to sell a lot of pay-per-view buys. There were three different title fights involving Amanda Nunes, uh, Kamaru Usman, and then eventually that Jan Aljo one. All three got moved off of this card Here's what we have in the end. A pretty damn good double header to top it. Uh, Tony Ferguson, which we'll get into with Charles Oliveira and the co-main. But let's stay at this main event. Devison Figueredo, three weeks ago, Rashad, uh, defended this title against late replacement Alex Perez. He's going to headline his second straight pay-per-view in less than a month. I, I didn't do the research, but that's got to be a UFC record. And what's interesting here is it feels like UFC is giving him Every opportunity to become a star. He's got swagger. He finishes people in the cage. He's a badass. As long as he can keep making weight, it seems they've got something on their hands here. But he's also got a hungry guy across from him in Brandon Moreno, who also was victorious on that same card three weeks ago, stopping Brandon Royval. Uh, how do you look at this matchup? You're Mystic Shad. You've made plenty of great predictions through the uh, last couple of years on CBS Sports. We got Figueredo, a minus 310 favorite, according to William Hill. Brandon Moreno at plus 250. Rashad, I got to feel like there's going to be fireworks in this one. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Yeah, there's definitely going to be fireworks. You know, you have Davison Figueredo, who's been looking absolutely phenomenal. You know, and the way that he fights is is unlike anybody else in the division because he sets traps so well and he gets guys to get pulled into what he wants to do. Then he springs forward with some explosive punches. But, I mean, not only does he have fight-ending capacity with those knockout punches and kicks, he also has the ability to grapple on the ground and his transitions are on the next level as well, too. Couple that with great movement from the outside. He's a really, really tough customer to nail down and you usually find yourself getting knocked out before you actually close the distance and land anything significant. But then you have Brandon Moreno on the other side who's got a, a definitely um, a, a jiu-jitsu based game but he's a longer type striker who's become more and more confident in the striking but he welcomes the war and I think that this where this fight gets very interesting you know you have you have two guys that are willing to go 10 toes down and lay it down in the center of the octagon and now it goes to who's going to be able to land the most bigger uh, the most meaningful shots and I got to go with Figueredo on this one I think that his shots and his punching power is something that Moreno has never really felt I mean Moreno has you know Kane, since he's come back to the UFC, he's he's become a different fighter in the fact that he believes in himself a lot more and he's a lot hungrier. But when it comes to being able to take some of these blows that Figueredo has and the speed that come along with it, I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. And I, and I think that, um, you know, his heart and his mindset in the right place. But I think Figueredo is a tall order. And, um, you know, he jumped on it in three weeks uh, in three weeks time. They both were fighting on the same car and they both gave great performances that night. But I like Figueredo in this one. I think that Figueredo is just on another level. He's surging in his confidence. And he's got a meanness to him that you don't really see. You know what I'm saying? You don't really see for guys this this small. You know, like like you got Miranda who's all cheery and happy, but you got Figueredo that's like straight killer, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna hurt this dude. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've I've interviewed both in the past uh, month, and in the the Moreno interview was just the other day. And I mean, it's hard not to cheer for him. He's so happy go lucky to hear him talk about you know growing up on the border in Tijuana, Mexico, and how Mexico is such a boxing based community. You know, he chose MMA against it, and he really feels like this victory, as in his words, is much more than him, much more than about him if he can get it. He really sees this as a potential turning point for something UFC has been wanting to do with guys like. Cain Velasquez or Eric Silver or whoever, but has been unsuccessful in finding a uh, either a Mexican-American or, in this case, a Mexican-born superstar that can be sort of the guy that, you know, legions of kids will grow up saying, hey, that's cool, my dad likes boxing, but I want to follow in the footsteps of this guy and get into MMA. So there's certainly, you know, interesting storylines there. But uh, I think what's most interesting for me, Rashad, is the idea that they're both turning around on three weeks' notice, which is, you know, wild, how does that factor into the weight, though? Because Figueredo missed weight to open the year against Benavides, made it in the second fight, finished him in both to win the vacant title, and he seemed to just barely make weight three weeks ago. You know, even in the interview I did with him when he had his shirt off, full of swagger, talking about 50 Cent being his uh, sort of swag god that he gets the influence of. Uh, he didn't look like there was any more muscle or fat to lose off that body. So in, th in a three-week turnaround... Is that going to make it easier or harder to make weight for this fight, given what your body goes through in between? The three weeks is going to make it easier for Figueredo to definitely keep his weight under control because he hasn't allowed his weight to get out of control. You know, it usually comes when you you balloon up after you get done from fighting and you celebrate with a bunch of bad food and just kind of a relaxed living style. But he hasn't had a chance to have that relaxed living style because after he got done from that fight, he was already set to fight 
three weeks later and he's been staying at the PI and just getting some of the best training that he's ever had, you know, throughout this whole year and probably in his whole career, being able to have the uh, the PI at his access and being able to have all the luxuries that comes along with that. So now we're looking at a guy who's able to have, uh, you know, better meals planned as well, too, with the PI and, and working with the nutritionist. So we're probably looking at a, a, a more primed Davison Figueredo being the fact that he's able to probably get all the things that were kind of getting away from him before under control. You know, I think that this three weeks is fast turnaround. It definitely favors Figueredo more than it does Moreno. And this fight will play very interestingly into the fighter of the year discussion. I Look, I think today, you know, God forbid, and by the way, three three fights on this 256 card were either pulled or altered just in the last 48 hours due to COVID. And of course, we saw how last week's UFC Fight Night card was down to about seven or eight fights yeah. left. Uh, if this fight should get canceled or whatever, I feel like Devison Figueredo is your fighter of the year right now. 3-0, and three finishes, captured the flyweight title, sort of made the division his own. But Rashad, if he wins this one, I mean, there there ain't a conversation in my book with full respect to Jan Blahowitz or or Kamzad or anybody else, Kevin Holland, who's had a great year. Where do you stand on the whole fighter of the year debate? Yeah, I think I got to go with you. And I mean, there was a lot of great fighters of the year. But when it comes to those who like capture gold and 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 that has the kind of same ramifications. I don't think anyone compares to Davis and Figueredo. I mean, we've seen some great fighting out of Kevin Holland and many names that you you mentioned. You know, Hamzat has definitely etched his name in our minds uh, for the 170-pound weight class or the 185-pound weight class. So, you know, we, we he's competing in the likes of those guys, but when it comes to just what he's been able to accomplish and how he's been able to do it, and I think that He's injected a life in this 125 weight class that was desperately needed. You know, I mean, Demetrius Johnson was one of the most exciting uh, featherweights of all time. But at the same time, he didn't garner the same respect because the competition wasn't where it needed to be. And then we've seen a little bit of revival with uh, Henry Cejudo. But then Henry left and left that weight class uh, soon after. But I think now we're seeing someone who is a true 125 pounder and truly has the power, the speed, the excitement, and all these different things. And not for nothing, he's got a weight class around him to support him and his greatness because the competition has risen to the level. Yeah, no doubt. There are going to be fun fights to make for the winner of this, whether it's uh, Cody Garbrandt, Askar, Askarov. I mean, you got some some fun uh Fun contenders there. And also, obviously, shout out Israel Adesanya's had a year that puts him in discussion. Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, it's going to be a fun debate with how weird this year was when we do get into awards. Uh, let's hit this co-main event. Tony Ferguson back after the chance he took in May when he lost the vacant, uh, I'm sorry, the interim lightweight title bout to Justin Gaethje and, and lost it in, in fairly brutal but ballsy fashion in a fifth-round stoppage. He's going to come back here against Doe Bronx, Charles Oliveira. Good God, Rashad, this thing is good. I mean, my underwear's on fire with fireworks right now. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fight. It's a good fight, too, though. Uh, but, Rashad, um, plus 145 for Doe minus 170 for Tony Ferguson. That tells you right there how, how close and great this is. But I've been in arguments with different people where I'm telling you, Rashad, there's almost a quasi-number one contender element to this fight because I don't think Habib's going to fight again. My take. His words, my take. Same, you know, they line up. Dana, <laughs> in in cryptic tweets from Ali, seem to be the only people saying otherwise. But uh, I still believe you're going to see a vacant title at stake for Connor and Dustin in January. But even if you don't, you'd have to believe the winner of that fight 
could be facing the winner of this fight for that vacant title in the you know in sometime in the early spring of 2021. Do you have that same feeling that this ain't just a good matchup on paper, but uh, the winner could really get jetpacked right to the top? Yeah, I definitely feel that. You know, this fight has a lot of ramifications with that. I mean, just the way the weight class is right now, it's prime for anybody to make a big splash. And if you're Charles Oliveira, you know, who's new to the new upper echelon of competition, then this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to really show out and show that you really belong on this stage. And he definitely belongs on the stage. I believe he has 19 submissions and, you know, he, he has a bunch of knockouts as well, too. And, and the knockout aspect is something that he's getting more comfortable with. You know, before we've seen a very aggressive uh, submission t style attack game, but now we see him more using the strikes and just season the opportunistic submissions when they come which is a great formula if you're fighting somebody like Tony Ferguson who you know you don't want to have to try to take him down you just kind of want to be able to catch whatever you can catch in the free fluid freestyle fighting that you know this is going to be when it comes to freestyle fighting there's no one like Tony Ferguson you know he's 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 totally unorthodox in almost every single position that he does but there is there's a flow of tree and a poetry to what he does that's just absolutely beautiful you know the way he comes with his elbows the way he transitions to the ground the way he just comes in sometimes and attack for a knee bar or just whatever he does to get the fight where he wants it to do he's a big smack a mixed bag of nuts and he's going to be this is going to be one of those fights where it's going to be all about who remains the most clever but at the same time who's the meanest who can inflict the most damage and who enjoys just going toe-to-toe -to -toe and just bleeding shot i don't know if you saw the embedded uh episode uh ufc the, that came out yesterday not only did it unfortunately steal the audio from my Brandon Moreno interview with no credit right there. Shout out to UFC. But uh, it showed uh, the, the king of snap jitsu, Tony Ferguson, going down a giant flight of stairs at yeah. the UFC PI on his hands. Rashad, yeah. could you pull that off without getting paralyzed? Because I can't even watch him. <laughs> I wouldn't do that, man. I mean, listen, that's, that's, that's what Tony does, though. Tony always finds a way to do something unorthodox, but it works something. You know, when he's going down, it works his shoulders and, and that whole mobility with the animal crawl and, and a little, uh, you know, a little animalistic movements and stuff like that. But I mean, that's just Tony Ferguson for you, man. He's always going to do something out the box that he feels it works something. And I, I'm not sure what that works. I'm just totally speculating. But it, it looks like it does something. I mean, I wouldn't try it, but hey, if, if it works, it works, you know? <laughs> Can't wait for this fight. Uh, I like this card, by the way. I admit it's not, you know, spectacular on the top end. But there's a lot of interesting storylines up and down. I mean, you got Mackenzie Dern coming back. You got, uh, how about this Jacare Kevin Holland fight? Kevin Holland looking to go 5-0 and this calendar year, like we mentioned. He's a minus 125 favorite against the plus 105 Ronaldo Souza. And what's interesting here is Kevin Holland was supposed to fight last week, right? He had the, he had the damn COVID. He was yeah. supposed to fight Vittori, I believe. And then that got changed. Or no, Vittori was supposed to fight Jacare. Holland was supposed to fight Hermanson, Hermanson after Till pulled out. UFC just did a full switcheroo. Do you think Jacare is the perfect guy at 41 to show us whether Kevin Holland really is for real? I think so. And I think so primarily speaking because, you know, Jacare strikes well enough to get into range to really impose 
the question that we really, you know, really need to see with, with, with uh, Kevin Holland was how legit he is on the ground. I mean, listen, we know that he's a Travis Luter trained um, assassin when it comes to his jujitsu, but there's levels to this jujitsu. You know, there, there's levels to this game on the ground, and we just want to see what level Kevin Holland is at. You know, the, I mean, when it comes to uh, just a pure fighter and somebody who loves fighting. I haven't met too many people that enjoy fighting as much as Kevin Holland. You know, I got a chance to speak with him after a few UFCs ago when he fought on the card. And just the pure excitement and enjoyment that he gets out of fighting it, it is really uh, unmatched on a sincere level by, by a lot of fighters that I meet. I mean, I meet a lot of people who say they like fighting, but I don't meet a lot of people who I feel truly, truly, truly mean it from the bottom of their heart like they love fighting like they love eating ice cream or something like that you know what i'm saying like he just he loves it like that and um you know that that's why he loves to to challenge himself and all the trash talking and things that he does you know that that's just to put the weight on his back to let him know that he can't get relaxed at all and um it's going to be a great fight. And you have Jacare, who's in a position now, you know, being an older guy, when you have the younger guy coming up and you know what it's looking like, you know that your best days were behind you. It's it's a little bit gut check time. It's like, OK, how do you want to go out? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to let this guy go out. And it's a bit of a, an attitude thing, you know. So I think that Jacare is definitely tapped back into that mentality that he needs to compete against a young hungry lion and Kevin Holland. Uh, true or false, Rashad? Jacare will be challenging for the Bellator middleweight title in the year 2021. <laughs> no comment, man. Come on, PC. What you trying to do? You trying to get me in a fight here, man? That's all right, all right, all right. Let's leave that alone. Uh, we got Hainato Moicano against Rafael Fiziev. I love that one. I love Cub Swanson against Daniel Ooh. Pineda. I'm sorry that um that the Tisha Torres fight against uh, what, what's her uh, Angela Hill is not going to happen because Hill tested positive. But you and I have been both Billy Q fans, Billy Quarantillo in this quarantine. He's got Gavin Tucker in that early prelim main event. Rashad, I've been high on this guy. I mean, I'm following him on Twitter. I'm fired up each time he fights. Is Billy Q for real in your eyes? Billy Q is for real. I mean, Western New York native fighting out of Tampa. This guy is the real deal. I mean, when it comes to hands, when it comes to wrestling, when it comes to grappling, when it comes to mentality, this guy has it all, you know, and he's one of those guys that we've seen from Dana White Contender Series jumping right in the mix of things and just fighting at a different level. And, and that's what, you know, you see him each and every single time he comes out, it's another chink in the armor that he's climbing and that he's getting better and better. You just see it just coming together for him. So I'm really excited about what Billy Q can do in the future. Yeah, no shortage of storylines. Chase Hooper coming back from that first defeat as well. Uh, final fight I want to ask you about on this. I love Junior Dos Santos. Great interview. His quote always is the same. I am the truth. I am made out of truth. When I enter the cage, all I do is bring truth. Uh, there's a lot of truth there. Uh, true or false, Rashad? If he loses to Cyril Gan, will he be gone in 60 seconds with fourth straight knockout loss? Uh, will he yeah. be looking for a new job? This is a tough fight at 36 for JDS. Yeah, he might be in Bellator. He loses his fight. I mean, you know, not the same thing as Bellator, but he might be looking for some other place of employment because, you know, uh, you know, he he's been a staple for a while in the UFC, and he's been, you know. Um, fighting a who's who but right now you know the, the strength of schedule is still pretty high for him he's still fighting guys that can get him out of there with the one punch knockout you know and uh you know he's been falling on on a, on on the, the bad end of that but now he's got a guy in, in Cyril that that he can 
I feel for the most part, use another wrinkle in his game. And that's one thing that I want to say here. I feel like so many athletes and so many fighters, when they get a certain age, they want to continue to fight the exact same way. And they can still be effective, but they got to change it up a bit. They have to start doing more of a of a grappling base. If you know what I'm saying, if they were a striker, now they have to start using more of the other tools that they have. Junior DeSantis is a black belt. You know, we don't get to see him use great that point. enough. You know, he has great striking to close the distance. Okay, now you have great striking to close the distance. Let's not stand in there and shoot the 50-50 with, with, with these guys that you, you're, you're striking with because we know at heavyweight it's, it's that, you know, whoever lands that big shot wins. Get a guy on the ground. Start working the other aspects that he not might not be so good at. That's my take on Junior DeSantos. Yeah, I mean, in, in Junior's favor, um, you know, he had a three-fight win streak as recently as two years ago. His three straight knockout losses have come against absolute studs in Rosenstruck, Blades, and Nganu. But if he doesn't, to your point, figure out a Glover Teixeira, Andre Arlovsky-type uh, extension in Twilight to his career by switching things up. Uh, that career will be over. Love the guy, though. Chairman Form plus 340 underdog in this one. All right, Rashad, let's move on here. Uh, Kayla Harrison, who interviewed by Luke Thomas this week. Check it out. A lot of good stuff about her her life journey and her personal stuff um, that's worth listening to. She's going to continue this PFL off-season tour that she's going on. We recently saw her score a win on an LFA co-main event. Now she has booked a December 17th return at Titan FC 66 when she's going to take on Josette Cotton. If you remember that name, Kayla Harrison defeated Cotton in just her second pro fight uh, a couple years back. It was a third round TKO. If you're wondering what's going on here, the PFL is not coming back until April, I believe, of 2021. But they're allowing Kayla to stay busy. Rashad, I like how she looked cutting down to 145 in her last fight when she Turn that chick into a uh, horror movie uh, <laughs> uh, death right there with all that blood around there. Uh, what are you feeling about Kayla Harrison these days? Can she be a legitimate featherweight contender rather than just having a 155 division created for her? I love Kayla Harris. I think that she's, you know, uh, a, a true, true um, specimen in, in whatever weight class that she decides to fight in. I think that, you know, she one thing about her is that she's, She's gotten a lot better and she's and she wants to get a lot better and that's why she wants to stay active. You know, she wants to definitely hone those skills and, and the crafts that she's been working on. You know, she's been working on her stand up and working on, you know, closing the gap and trying to throw her judo in a lot a lot smoother and things like that. But I mean, you know, she's she's um one of those girls that we're going to be like wishing in the future that, that, that she was in a UFC just because it would be such a dream match, uh, matchup for her to go against some of those tough girls in a weight class, uh, in the UFC. And that's the thing. And, and that's the, the, the kind of sad story with her is the fact that, you know, she's such a great talent, but I mean, outside of the UFC, there really isn't anybody to really test her in that capacity. You know, she's going against Cotton. And Cotton has some really good hands, really good boxing that she showed the last time. But for the most part, you know, she can't recognize the shot and she can't recognize what to do once she's on the ground. So this is going to be, you know, bang, bang, take them down and just, you know, ground and pound session for Kayla. But, you know, hats off to Kayla for for, for one, just stay active and, and, and looking to stay um, competing in, in different organizations. That shows that she wants to get better and that shows the vision that she has for herself. Yeah, and I think it's smart from PFL too to avoid some of this, you know, fighter uproar that they've going they've gone through with that lawsuit and just, you know, they've had to push their 
season out they didn't try to come back in 2020 like like they were supposed to and uh you know nobody wants to sit on the shelf so this seems smart Kayla's eight and oh three knockouts three submissions he's a physical specimen Rashad I still wonder given that PFL does have the relationship with with ESPN which is obviously the home the exclusive home for UFC uh and the fact that they are sort of letting her go out and you know she's being advertised as PFL champion million dollar winner I wonder if there's something we don't ever see, right? Somebody moonlighting the UFC from another organization, right? We kind of almost saw it with Fedor when UFC tried to make that super fight against Brock, you know, after failing to make it against uh, Randy Couture. But I think, you know, there was difficulties there with M1 and Vadim and all that bullcrap. I'm wondering, Rashad, if PFL has the ability or the forthright or the vision or if this is even possible to somehow keep her but maybe still let her go out for a super fight with the UFC. And if they would be willing, you know, same thing with Bellator, because when you look at the potential big fight names for Kayla to actually prove herself against, you'd much rather see her against a cyborg who's in Bellator or a two division champion, Amanda Nunes in the UFC uh, than anyone else, because there isn't anyone else at 145 or 155. How do you see her future playing out? I mean, is it is this PFL thing maybe a, a you know a stepping stone to something bigger, or can we work this out? I think it may just be you know a, a stepping stone to something bigger because I think for the most part you know they're not going to be able to feed her. They're not going to be able to feed her the competition that she needs, and at some point that's going to cause uh, the relationship to, to sour and disharmony. Where, where it may cause things to end and her having to go somewhere else. And I think that's where she's going to get scooped up by an organization like UFC who can definitely see that she can be, um, you know, uh, somebody that gives that 145 weight class that they have some life, you know, and, and they can market her. She's a pretty girl. You know, she speaks well in front of the camera and, and all those things that, that you have a star. You know, she's definitely a star. And... Um, I just I just feel like at this point she's in a good place because it's allowing her to get the experience and it's allowing her to grow in the capacity where she needs to, which is her hands and, and those areas like that. But it's allowing her to grow in, in, in a safe way where she's not competing against the best girls in the world. And about time she does make her way to an organization that has some real threat, she'd be ready. Interesting. And you can't you can't beat fighting for a million bucks for shot. Right? I mean, that ain't bad. That ain't bad in this climate, all right? So shout out to her. She's going to do big things. Uh, speaking of PFL, Rashad, there was big news last week when uh, boxing multi-division champion and two-time Olympic gold medalist Clarissa Shields announced that she will be coming over to PFL. She's going to moonlight between both sports with the idea and goal of being a reigning major world champion in both boxing and MMA. Uh, parts of this PFL deal appear to be some soft touches in 2021 to get used to the sport. And then maybe the idea of entering, you know, a season with them in 2022 and trying to really make this happen. Uh, Rashad, I got to feel like Clarissa is doing it right from what we've seen on social media. And I'm not talking about her war of words with Jake Paul over the last 24 hours on Twitter. I'm talking about the pictures that the quote... As much as we really despise that acronym because it's lame, uh, has posted some some really interesting pictures and videos at Jackson Wink in New Mexico, getting to train with the the likes of John Jones and Holly Holm. Uh, Rashad, you can do a lot worse than those two, certainly. How 
you know, interesting can this be? How possible would it be for her to make this transition when they seem to be glowing down there in Jackson Wink saying, you know, we haven't seen someone work this hard. We haven't seen a natural athlete like this. Again, not a knockout puncher in boxing, but she knows how to use her hands, and she's 25, and I think she might have that that dog in her. If anyone can do it, it might be her, Rashad. Yeah, definitely anybody can do it. It might be her. You know, she she looks to be uh, uh, as if um, someone who learns very fast. You know, she looks like to be like she's a sponge. And that's what that's where it's all going to depend on. You know, how does she transition to the ground aspect? Sometimes people just don't really react too well on the ground. They don't really know how to gauge the energy so that no matter how much you show them, they just really never learn the flow of it. You know what I'm saying? And, and they end up tiring themselves out before they ever end up getting themselves in a position where they're able to get up or neutralize any positions. So it all depends on on their development on the ground. But at the same time, she's at one of the best uh, gyms in the world. You know, you have Greg Jackson, you have Mike Winklejohn, and you have the list of of uh, of great fighters who, uh, who go to that gym. And Holly Holm is one of them who was a boxer and can definitely help Clarissa with that transition and help her with, with some areas where she might get stuck at because she would know as a former boxer, you know, where she felt the, the, the most transition at and where she felt like she needed the most help at. So I think she's in a good place. But one thing I would say, I would say this, and not to talk bad about the, the, the Winks and Jacks thing, but I, I would say this. I, I, I like and I believe that they'll be able to turn her into a good MMA uh, fighter. I just don't want them to do what they did to Holly Holmes' footwork. Ooh, interesting. Explain that for me, please. Well, I, I just I feel like I feel like Holly Holm used to have some of the best footwork in the game, and I understand that boxing footwork is different than MMA footwork. So you have to do you have to uh, plant your feet a little bit more to watch out for the takedowns. But I felt as if like they've planted Holly to the point where it took taken away her movement, and Holly was such a good fighter where she would throw with her movement and in a cadence. And it was like a really rhythmic thing that she would do. And she would always be bouncing around on her feet. And it actually, you know, she had really, really good feet, but it really made it hard, you know, to, to, to pin her around anywhere. You know, you couldn't corner anywhere because she had such great feet. I don't see the same great feet. You know, I don't see the same great feet that she used to have before. Now, mind you, we are doing MMA and we can't lead, make our feet leave the ground as much. But at the same time, there still needs to be some great footwork on the outside that I just don't see from Holly anymore. So if they can teach her the MMA, but also allow her to keep her footwork, then I'm all for it. Yeah, look, I, I love Clarissa Shield. She's a great quote. She goes after it. She wants to be great. Like when she's calling herself the GOAT so early, she's, she's doing an Ali type thing saying, look, I'll fight anyone to prove this to you. So I have respect that she turned pro at 68, you know, unified all four titles at 60, just won a couple titles at 54, actively trying to get down to welterweight to try to find anyone in the lower weight classes who will come up to face her, and now basically saying, I want to prove my greatness in this other sport. Now, part of it is financial-related, and, and Clarissa has been very outspoken along with the likes of Heather Hardy, who had an MMA crossover, Amanda Serrano, a current decorated boxing champion who's done a little MMA, and basically saying, look, we don't feel like 
There's the same opportunities in boxing, the same pay, the same respect, the same all that. So that's why they're doing it. And, you know, you can argue, I mean, Clarissa has been showcased fairly uh, consistently on Showtime and main events. So, uh, you know, obviously pay could be a different thing. So I, I certainly respect what, what she's trying to do there. But final question on this, Rashad, do you think Clarissa would be better off trying to learn everything a little bit to try to get a little well-rounded or maybe trying to pick one lane separate from the, the punches. You know, Holly had the kickboxing background. I mean, would you say go all your effort into wrestling or go all your effort into kicks? Where would you sort of go if you were training her in this transition? You got to sprinkle it around everywhere just because with MMA, you know, you have so many different uh, positions where you have to know. If you're only, only teaching and focus on two of the major, there's a bunch of transitions that get in the way that can definitely gum you up, you know, because what happens is if you're teaching them boxing and you teach them wrestling, then they learn to compartmentalize. With MMA, you got to break down the walls of compartmentalization and you have to learn how to blend and transition from one discipline to the next. So teaching her a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and then and, and having her understand the concepts behind transition would do a lot better than having one discipline versus, you know, one discipline and another discipline. Be interesting to watch. I mean, I'm in. I'm in on watching it at age 25 if she can pull this off. Uh, final main topic here, Rashad. We got a pretty interesting Thursday night Bellator card on the CBS Sports Network. Main card beginning at 10 Eastern. Uh, preliminary card beginning at 8 Eastern on CBSSports.com. It's Bellator 254, and it's women's flyweights in the main event. Your unbeaten champion, Alima Leigh McFarlane, putting her second best in Bellator history, 10-fight win streak on the line under the Bellator banner against a very tough out here, Rashad. The more you look at her in Brazil's Juliana Vasquez to the point where William Hill and basically every other sports book has put the 10-0 Velasquez as your betting favorite, a slight one. Uh, this is going to be interesting, Rashad. At the very least, this has to be the toughest test on paper of Alima Lay's uh, run here as the inaugural and only women's flyweight champion in Bellator history. Uh, do you like the, ch the champion's chances here? I like the champion's chances. I think that, you know, she has a really good chance. I mean, her ground and her transitions on the ground are just next level, you know, and she has a dog in her too that, you know, she can sniff out and she knows when the opponent is ready to get up out of there, but not for nothing. She also has skills on her feet. And I think the skills on her feet is going to aid her big time in this fight because she has particularly a good overhand right punch that can definitely land base somebody if it lands. Now I say that because her opponent, Velasquez, she has a tendency, very good striker in a softball position, surgical with that left hand, surgical with their movement on the outside and, and very, um, very precise, very precise, precise, uh, precise fighter. But at the same time, what she does and I think that uh, McFarlane is going to be able to take advantage of this is she, she leaves her head up a little uh, tad too long, you know, almost straight up and down when she's striking. She leaves it behind and somebody like McFarlane has the ability to go high and then low to get you down on the ground. That could be a bad recipe because if she keeps her on the horns of dilemma, not knowing if she's going to punch or she's going to take her down, she can land that overhand right big time on her. Watching some tape, though, of Velasquez, uh, she's ice cold in there. She's very patient poised she's got a big left hand she's a black belt in judo 
And Rashad, she uh, only trains with men in Brazil in the same gym as Anderson Silva and the Nog brothers. Uh, this has created a, a you know, positively hardened woman who's ready to come in here and seize the title. 11-0 and against 10-0. and This is a very good fight. It's going to be interesting, as you mentioned, how Alimale's ground game can, uh, you know, transfer against the, the strong stand-up. And just the physicality. I mean, Velasco's a very big flyweight. Going to be taller and longer than the champ. Uh, yeah. The pineapple princess, is that what she's calling herself? Yeah, and, and Velasquez, you know, she talked about, you know, everybody knows me as a striker and know I have this judo, but... I've been working on my ground and my ground is nothing to scoff at. And she's looking to go out there and impress on the ground. So it can be very interesting as Matt hits the ground. I mean, this fight hits the ground and it, it most likely will. It's going to be interesting to see who has that jujitsu edge. I mean, going into it, we think McFarlane does. But from the sound of it, it sounds like Velasquez been really working hard to uh, to close that gap. Yeah, both have uh, wins over the very sneaky Alejandra Lara there. Azul, wow, wow, somebody canceled this show already. All right, Rashad, quickly on the undercard, this co-main event, uh, Magomed Magomedov going to make his Ooh. Bellator debut. <laughs> That's a big signing for the, for the promotion here. Not to be confused with the guy from the same name who fought in World Series of Fighting or the other Russian guy. This is the guy who's called the Lion. He has uh, just one defeat professionally, and that came against current Bantamweight UFC champion Peter Yan. But, oh, by the way... Magomedov also beat Peter Jan to hand him his only pro defeat uh, back in a thriller in the ACB promotion in Russia for the title. An absolute brawl. Fun fight there. Fun series. What's going to be interesting is his debut is going to be tough. It's going to be against Mateus Matos or Matthias or however I'm butchering this Brazilian man's name. Um, <laughs> he fights with the Pitbull brothers and his only pro defeat also came to... Peotre Jan in the ACB promotion. So we got a little bit of bingo here. This is going to be fun. You got Mato saying uh, Magomed has avoided him since back in Russia. I like these recent under-the-radar signings for Bellator, whether it's uh, Habib's cousin or this guy Magomed Magomedov, as somewhat absurd as that name is. I've got big respect for it, though. Uh, Rashad Rashadovich, uh, who, who do you like in this one? <laughs> this is a tough one to call, man. Um I like I like Magomedov, and I like him primarily because um, you know he uses a lot more of his grappling in there, and, and I think the grappling was the recipe that made it really hard for Peter Yan. You know, I think that he was able to land some big strikes in there with Yan, but I think the grappling aspect also added a wrinkle in there to allow him to come back up to his feet and win some of those exchanges and kind of just like convolute the fight a little bit, but allow him to land the most uh, the most significant strikes. Now, when I when I look at uh, Mateo, I think you know he has uh, amazing, explosive, violent stand up. You know, but one thing that he lacks is is that pressure forward. Sometimes he allows himself to be pressured a little bit, and I think somebody against like Magomedov who can who can implement his striking as well as his grappling, I think that might be a bad recipe. But at the same time, Magomed has to watch that he doesn't close the distance too much and get caught in a very blistering firing exchange from Mateo who strikes and and is very aggressive. And and I'm, and like when he strikes it's almost like a different speed and intensity because he hits it like he's hitting. He hits you like he's hitting pads with that same kind of explosiveness. Like after, after he throws a combination, he's going to be able to sit down for two minutes. You know, that, that it's a different kind of explosiveness when he throws his punches. And I, and I think that Magomed really going to have to watch out for that. 
going to be fun to watch. Uh, Goichi Yamauchi missed weight this morning by four and a half pounds, so he has been pulled that fight from the main card. But if you want more on this Bellator 255 card, check out CBS Sports HQ today, 2 p.m. Eastern, for your live weigh-in show featuring Rashad, myself. Uh, we're going to have interviews with Alima Le McFarland, Big John McCarthy. Uh, the whole the whole gang's going to be there, so check that out. Uh, Rashad, that'll ba- wrap up, excuse me, the big topics of our week. Uh, we got a new segment today, Rashad. I don't know how this is going to work. We're trying new segments left and right. Uh, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. This one's called uh, Rashad's Got Some Explaining to Do. <laughs> the, the premise is uh, very clear for our deep Uh-oh. dive here of the week. Rashad, I have Deepeth Dovith the interwebs to find the most awkward and ridiculous pictures that involve you. And I'm going to need a little bit more of of background on this. Let's start off here with a little bit of young Rashad. Uh, can you explain the look here? Can we, can we tease this a sub gaff? Can we get the picture up there? What oh the my gosh. Okay. Is this high school? Okay. What's going on here? So this is college. This is Michigan state college. Uh, it was, I think, this is my senior year. You notice I had the blazer. It was kind of a little baggy on me, but I wanted oh, to look yeah. good. I think it was. I think I borrowed my teammate's uh, blazer then. But yeah, you, you you see the hairline and you see the little the little the little little flavor saver right there for the mustache. Couldn't grow much beyond that, but that was about it. Well, it, it's you know this is right around the year two thousand with the size of that collar. So shout out to that. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> full disclosure: you haven't seen these pictures yet, which makes this funny. But you mentioned that trash stash. Did the ladies of uh, Lansing enjoy that? I mean, where are we going with this? They, they, I mean, a few liked it, a few liked it, but I mean, for the most part, that was my attempt to try to show that I was a man. Yeah, yeah that, that was all I had. I just had like a little flavor saver. That hey, was who it. am I to make fun of? You are an absolute stud in college. Good thing there's no <laughs> pictures of me floating around here uh, pre-cell phone camera days. Uh, Rashad, you you are well known now, uh, according to anyone that follows me, for how well you're putting off, pulling off post-40 abs. But you didn't always have them tight abs there, Rashad. I found this picture of a very hungry oh! Rashad. What the hell's going on here? Oh, that was my that was my uh my Damon Wayne's when he when he was a heavyweight boxer when you know what I'm saying? That's you remember that when he was remember that remember that fight? Uh, oh, the, what's I mean, that, that movie when he had the big gut, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the great, was the great hi- white hype or something. The great like white hype, yeah. That was that so that was after my knee surgery. Um I was I was trying to get back in shape and 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 I wanted to uh you know make my comeback but um I've allowed myself to get really round at that time and I was in denial about it you know I, I was in denial about it that's that's the funny part about that picture because in my mind's eye I thought I really had abs like those dudes to to the left and right of me but on further review it didn't look too good. It almost looks well, like the abs are trying to come out. They're trying, they're trying. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 the that's the funny part about it because the, the the effort was there in the abs. It just wasn't enough. You know, not enough chiseling there. But I, I, you couldn't tell me nothing in that picture. <laughs> now it, that kind of looks like Corey Sanhagen to your to your left, our right. Who are these white folks? I don't even know. I think they're. Um, let me see who. Oh, that fans? was. They were fans, right? <laughs> so that that's when I went to uh, the I was in Exos I was in Arizona Exos and I think those are the guys that was at, uh, Arizona I think Luke Luke Rockhold was with me around that time too. All right, that means that you guys probably had some sloppy DMs there. I don't know what you were eating, <laughs> but, but you but you were eating well, uh, Rashad. Hey. 
We've talked about your great rivalry with one Quentin Rampage Jackson. You guys are tearing doors off at the Tough House. I mean, it's great times, great oldies. What the hell's going on here, though? Oh, yes. This is when me and uh, me and Rampage, we played German Twins in this movie called Boss Level, which is now out on Hulu. You can watch it. It's streaming. I have no uh, idea about this. I got to check that out. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it should be streaming on uh, Hulu right now. But uh, me and Rampage, a couple years ago, we played uh, German twins in a Joe Carnahan movie called Boss Level. And uh, it was cool because this was really our first time that we got to spend this kind of time together since our fight. And uh, it was interesting because at first, you know, we kind of had the bravado from our fight. But then after a while, you know, he was like one of my old homeboys that that, uh, you know, that that I knew, knew since college. And we had a good time. You know, we spent a lot of time together during this training camp. I mean, during, during this uh, filming of this movie. And we trained together, too, a little bit. I like to hear that because I, I love Rampage. You know, he's... he's... He's, he's had some a, ups and downs, but he's a fun guy, right? Yeah, he, he's he's a, he's a good he's a good dude, and we were kind of we were kind of both uh, new to the Atlanta scene, and um, and we were in we were in a part in, in Atlanta where it was the uh, it was um, the the uh, I guess the the gay area. And we were both getting hit on a lot, so it I was, was very say, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was interesting to see how he was handling that, you know. what I'm saying because we were teasing each other back and forth because those dudes in Atlanta they're very aggressive, you know. They weren't yeah. just they were like they they were, I mean they were aggressive. So it, it was it was an interesting uh, interesting situation. With True Rampage. or false? Atlanta very well known for great breakfasts and thirsty women. No. False. Probably the former. I've had some great chicken and waffles. I've had some it, great. It, it's got it's got great. It's got great. It's, well, listen, it has some beautiful women. It has it's got some thirsty great, men too. Apparently, according to you. So. That's what I was. That's what I was going to say. I, the thirst with the men is a lot higher than the thirst with the women. All right. Shout out to the the uh, the ATL on that one. Uh, Rashad, we've known you as a high school football star and a uh, collegiate uh, wrestling phenom, if you will. I didn't know about your tennis turn. We found this on the uh, on the deep, dark d- dive of the web. Here. What, oh, you look confused. Yes, What's yes. going on? You look confused. Yes, I got a chance to meet uh, the, the very famous... Um, uh, Polish star, uh, not Polish star, the, the, the tennis star, Azarenka, and, and we got to um, film this. This is actually for the UFC show Countdown. Um, I got a chance to work with her and actually go to her um, her, ter- her her match at Sony Erickson tournament in uh, in Miami. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's the first time I ever been to a tournament uh, in, in in a tennis match like that, and it was pretty cool, man. But she was pretty cool, man. She showed me. You know her 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 whole her whole game, man. It was pretty excited. I actually thought I could play tennis afterwards, but then I went a few times lateral, and I was like, man, I'm gonna tear my knees out if I do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, try to play racquetball and then try to walk the next morning, right? Certain Forget sports about it. just this just doesn't work. Uh, you've had a great rivalry in the past with one Forrest Griffin, fellow UFC champion and Hall of Famer. In fact, you took the damn belt from him. We found this weird one from the crowd at a uh, at a UFC oh. fight. What's going oh. on here? I don't know. I, 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 
Forrest is always clowning around, man. I think I don't. Uh, what, what am I doing? I'm I'm looking kind of serious here. It looks as if like Forrest is probably trying to clown me for coming in all dressed up, and he's wearing the dang BSN shirt and looking all just chilled out. But me and Forrest have a great relationship, man. Forrest is one of those guys who is just always happy-go-lucky, you know. And, and his energy towards me never changed, man. He's one of the great guys in the sport. And uh, I enjoy every chance I get to uh, spend some time with I was going to say, it's got to be hard to trash talk and get, you know, seriously mad at a guy that fun and genuine. He's uh, a really, really for, good dude. Forrest is a great dude. He's a great human being, man. All right. A lot of just bleed guys in the background, but check out that ice cold Nate Diaz stare right there. A little 209 over Forrest's shoulder. You see that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Got to have the ice cold grill, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, we got one more. Uh, speaking of Rashad juggling sports here, a uh, little little bowling action. You stuck your fingers in this ball and uh, you look like you know what you're doing. What's going well, on here? Rashad? I mean, listen, I took a college class where I was a bowling. I was like a bowling college class and uh, it was pretty fun. I did my thing in the class, but at the end of the day, I just wasn't a bowler. And that right there was it was all for show, you know. I'm, I'm actually a terrible boulder, but I, I was able to pull it off with this image, you know. But I, I still remember how to step on the right boards and how to throw it, but just not as good as a bowler as I, as I should be. I hope to continue this segment in the future, Rashad, because I've found some uh, fantastic picks on the. Oh, ground, okay? I'm sure you have, to, BC. Yeah, no, no, I'm not talking about thirsty ones. We're not trying to get anybody. <laughs> I'm talking about good ones. All right, more to come on that in the future. So that was me presenting submissions out there. We have a segment each week, though, Rashad, called fan submissions, where they put us oh. in the in the sleeper hold and get the rare naked. They send in their best uh, artwork pictures of them and our merch let's start off here with uh jbj on sunday was his 40th birthday and he bought himself some morning combat merchandise they shipped it for free to europe what how's that even possible he says love the show you're doing a great job keep hammering much love from munich germany rashad that doesn't actually look like authorized morning combat gear i think that guy got a bumper sticker put on a t-shirt right there I mean, he kind of looks like our producer, Mikey Mormile, but that's another thing for himself. I don't even know how he even got Mikey's shirt on, but that does, that does look like it's a little bit uh, bootleg. <laughs> By the way, you want to see a great pick of Mikey Mormile? Watch uh, Brock Lesnar versus Heath Herring. Right before they start that fight, they pan the crowd, and you got a high school Mikey in like the seventh row with those free ESPN tickets just marking the hell out. Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to him right there. Uh, th many, many thanks for this guy with the revelry, revelry donks, tip to tip. Thank you, JBJ. Happy 40th, brother. Your hairline didn't make it, but you are looking fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this one's from Damian B. He says, I just saw Adam Hunter live, the MMA roasted guy and comedian, and I had to make sure I rocked my MK shirt. And oh, by the way, we went tip to tip. Rashad, you know this guy on the left, Adam Hunter, that MMA roasted comedian? I do. Adam Hunter is a funny dude, man. He's a funny guy. I never go to his shows because every single time he always throws me under the bus. But that's another story for itself. I mean, <laughs> I like this guy, uh, Damian B, though, wearing our merch there, representing, keeping it on brand. All right. Tip on tip action. I appreciate that. Let's go over to Ben S. He says, enjoying a Chicago favorite Pipeworks pastrami on rye ale in his morning combat class. Rashad, I don't know what is your alcohol of choice, but would you ever drink a beer called pastrami on rye? <laughs> No, that sounds absolutely gag-worthy. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's very Midwest, very on brand. But uh, we appreciate that tumbler there that you bought that uh, <laughs> that Luke Thomas recently broke. So shout out to that uh, Ben S in the house here. Let's go over to Jose A. He's made a nice little meme called "Why is Luke Thomas so antisocial?" Uh, the people around me are donks, and there's uh, Luke Thomas. Rashad, do you have? A, I never asked you this. Do you have a history with Luke? He's had to have interviewed you for years. Did you always like this man? Yeah, I always liked Luke. We always had a great conversation. I always open up to Luke like he was like Barbara Walters or something. Oh, man. Wow. I just, okay. Yeah, we always. I mean, we love the guy. Man. He's yeah. probably in a job interview to get off the show right now, but we love the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Either that or somebody just yeah yeah. Some, I mean, look, when you're 40, you got to get that thing checked out, Rashad. All right, it's the worst you got experience. To, you got to. It's really the worst. I mean, I'd rather have five COVID tests than that, than that thing. All right. All right. Let's roll on here. Uh, we got a fan from Greece. Uh, it's Tassos. I wonder if he knows Web Scream. He put out a fun little uh, movie poster here to play off the woman in red with Luke breaking out the red panties and me as Gene Wilder on the bottom saying, oh, snap. Oh, I need snap. to make I, I need to make Rogan ASAP. Uh, all right. It's red panty night. We're rich. Rashad, you ever see the movie The Woman in Red? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. All right. Shout out to Tasos here. Probably in, in his parts, that's probably a brand new movie. I, I know things happen <laughs> 20, 30 years behind in Europe there. Uh, let's go over to Todd M here. He's got two. Uh, one one for BC, some more MK branded food, uh, Campbell's Soup. That not, fits. That fits. You are the Campbell's Soup kid. You are. Not I just see the that. tips. This is called uh, Dickin Soup. Uh all right, that's pretty gross. All right, thank you very much, Todd M. Uh, does he have another one here, Gaff? What do we got from Todd M here? Nothing? All right, let's move on. Uh, Scott M. Rizzo, a very, very frequent contributor to these parts. Little X-Files, the truth is still out there. The, the MK Files. <laughs> Am I Scully or Mulder there? You're, you're, you're a little Scully. You're, you're, um, you're Mulder, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Hey, shout out to the handiwork of our people. And the meme guy is back. He's got an early look at our next documentary. Rashad, I don't know if you saw our Morning Combat documentary, a little inside look at how the sausage is made in these parts. But I've been threatening Luke that if he keeps running his mouth, if I get that thing up behind him, bro, it's tap or nap, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's tap or nap. Tap or nap, baby. Tap or nap. Tap you want to disrespect nap. me? I'll take you to the cage. By the way, you see um, GSP with the hair these days. You down with that? I'm, I'm, I, I like the ball GSP. I'm kind of on the fence with this one. Yeah, it does make him look younger. I mean, I shaved my beard and put on this 2001 uh, Hoopastank uh, goatee. And, uh, and uh, whoa, did I offend Rashad? I think he's gone. Gaff, is he gone? All right, Rashad's still here. We're going to work that out. Uh, we got one more. Uh, Gaff, can we go to the finish line here? From Todd M. He's got the uh, 12 days of morning combat. If we can, if we can. I don't know if we can. All right, it's the live show here. Uh, this show is brought to you by Nice Price, Records and Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's finest for a while now, shout out to the vinyl and book selections of the Feist folks at Nice Price. Thank you very much. Morning Combat this week also brought to you by uh, Nacos, Caribbean uh, Energy Drink. All right, we're back. Okay, here we go. 12 days of Morning Combat. Uh, one is a 40 ounce of Old English 800. On the second day, it's two hard-boiled eggs, three TRT injections, four Irish hand trucks, Five shattered MK tumblers, six ball condoms, seven Paul brothers, eight picograms, nine caucus mountain beards, ten Bruce Buffer tuxedos, 
11 misspelled fighters' names, and 12 proper 12 whiskeys. That is genius right there with the uh, putting Luke and myself on top of, of course, uh, Clark W. Griswold and his uh, and his wife's cousin there from Christmas Vacation. Just watched that with the kids and the wife the other night. Fantastic flick as well. Uh, big thanks to Todd M., Scott Rizzo, and the crew, Tassos of Greece, all the contributors there to what we do here, MK, all the way, every day, nearly every day, all day, something like that. That's what we do. I don't know if we're going to get Rashad back, but that's going to wrap up the show, I believe. No, we got one more. Marty's coming in here with BC's gas station hot dog stand. Now with extra MK. <laughs> the sauce that it's okay to double tip with. Without it, you're just an unseasoned dead piece of meat. I love these people. They get us. They get us. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for that. In fact, I'd like to blow that up. Put that right on my wall. Get a couple web screen movie posters here. Maybe uh, check out this Showtime Super 6 uh, boxing classic frame photo. You can't find this anywhere, okay? Only on BC's wall, all right? I got a, I got the, the, the Habib Holloway poster. You can't find that anywhere, all right? Thank you. Maybe in China. I think that's where I bought it from. All right, that's the tour of BC's office. Oh, we got another one from Marty. This, this show is out of control right now. Uh, Morning Wombat. And here's the grave with uh, co-host sent to hell by a gas station hot dog. Jay danced here. <laughs> so did Luke. They would dance on my grave. Uh, this is um, uh, a masked animal with a cat next to it. And oh, wow. Dickles is back with a bang. Wow, Dickles. Check out that. There's a lot going on here. Okay. It's BC with the headphones. <laughs> Gaff, what does it say on that t-shirt? Can you read that? Gaff, you with me? Yeah. <laughs> it says, who gets a bony for Joni? This guy. And it's BC dreaming of Joni Mitchell. We got the Ioana poster in the background, just like I've got the Ioana poster right here in the uh, in the office of BC. Uh, Rashad's phone did die. Not sure if we're going to get him back. Love his work this week. We got any more of these uh these uh, mind mind benders here. Look at Dickles over the tip. A play on the great arm wrestling Stallone movie over the top. Producer Jay on the bottom playing the role of uh, of Stallone's son. Me in the Stallone role. There's Luke as that big damn ox. Uh, fantastic movie. Po- this guy Dickles. I don't know who's in the crowd there. Do, do we Gaff? Is there any? This looks like. This looks like the cover of Sgt. Pepper's. Who the hell's in the crowd there watching us? This is fantastic. And we got one more from Dickles from the Maury Povich show. It says, DNA test results for baby big beige Campbell are in. And Luke, you are the father. And uh, this is not only hilarious, it's a reference to me posting a picture of my own father uh, during last week's fan submission. And the odd and airy reality that my dad at age... uh, about 65 looks like Luke Thomas in about 15 years, which is very weird. And I didn't realize that until I saw that picture. So Luke Thomas, you are my father in 20 years. Thank you very much. Uh, Dickles. Fantastic work. My people, my, my listeners, our listeners, it might be my show. I don't know if Luke's coming back. Fantastic work right there. Please. Thank you to sugar Rashad Evans. Um, Gaff, if we can post the socials underneath here, you can follow the show at Morning Combat everywhere. You can hit us up on the email to get your own fan submissions in at morningcombat at gmail.com. Follow Sugar Rashad Evans on all of his social channels right there. Send the emails, spread the love, spread the wealth. 
don't spread your legs, okay? We got to keep it safe during this season. Wear the mask. Uh, take care of this, okay? Take care of take care of your mental health here, okay? It's important. There's going to be a wild winter. We're going to get through it, though, okay? One day we'll be going tip to tip, nose to nose again. It's going to be fantastic. Shout out to Mick Danke himself, Sugar Rashad Evans, a great co-host filling in for Luke Thomas this week. We love you, Luke. Hope you're back safely uh, from your colonoscopy or wherever you are. And to all our friends and fans and, and, and hopefuls here of Morning Combat, thank you for making this show what it is Uh Try Showtime, try CBS Sports, all that good stuff. 2 p.m. Eastern on HQ, Bellator Preview Show, weigh in, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's your boy, BC, 30 days free of Showtime. Check it out, Showtime.com. For um, Rashad Evans, for our staff and crew, and for you, I am Brian Campbell signing off with two words for Morning Combat. We out.